iniquities. O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman in the morning, more than the watchman in the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. New Testament is from Mark 5, 25 to 36. And there was a woman who had discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power that had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any farther? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. The ending is not on my paper, <laughs> and I didn't see it. Um, give praise to God for the reading of his word. <laughs> Thank you. Please bow with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord. Every day, Lord, we are just in awe of you as we sing. We're in awe of you because, of, because we know who we are. We, don't know, we know that we're not deserving of your love and your compassion and your mercy and your grace. But daily, daily, Lord, you remind us of your grace and your love to us. And so, Father, as we come now before you in worship, as we hear your word, once again, would you help us to realize and remember that great grace that you have for us, that our hearts may be stirred and spurred, Lord, to live for your glory. Lord, we pray that you would just help all distractions just flee away that we may wholly and fully focus on you now. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. I'm going to make today's sermon a little short because as you can see, it's Communion Sunday. And so we want to be able to enjoy full communion. Today's text is 
probably familiar to most of us. We've heard of the story of the bleeding woman who bled for 12 years, and she sought all help from physicians and all these different types of people, but she couldn't find any help, and she wasn't getting any better. In fact, she was getting worse. And she spent all of her money, and she had no hope in getting healed of this disease. But she hears of Jesus and how this healer has come. And so she comes and, and just says, if I could just touch his garment, then I will be healed. And sure enough, she comes, and in the midst of a crowd, she touches the garment of Jesus, and immediately she's healed. And then we know the story of Jairus, this ruler of the synagogue, whose daughter, who is 12 years old, has fallen ill, and she's about to die. And so in desperation, he comes at the feet of Jesus and says, if you come, then she will live. And so Jesus comes, and she's already dead. What happens is he raises her back to life. And we think of these stories oftentimes as stories about being healed because we've done something. If you, if you just believe hard enough, then you will be healed. If, if, you, if you just come with the right type of faith, right, then, then Jesus will do miracles for you. The name it and claim it theology. If you just name it and you claim it, then you'll have it. Right? It's the, the believe and the receive theology. If you just believe hard enough, then you'll receive it. And today I want to go through this passage and I want to ask the question, is that really what this passage is about? Is Jesus a really God that if you just believe hard enough, he'll just give you whatever you want? Is that the type of God that we serve? In today's text, I want to draw out just two things. That God is sovereign over all things. And to him is all the glory because he is sovereign. And because God is sovereign, we must have faith in him. We have faith in God because he is sovereign. And so I want to go back into Mark chapter 4 because I believe that these two stories about Jairus' daughter and then about the bleeding woman are linked to two other stories, previous stories that Mark has laid out for us. And it starts with the end of chapter 4 when the disciples are in a boat and there's a great storm and Jesus is sleeping. And so the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, Jesus, there's a storm, we're about to die. Like, don't you even care? Why are you sleeping? And so Jesus gets up and he commands the winds and he commands the storms to be calm. And I just imagine, this isn't in the story, but I just imagine Jesus just looking at the disciples. He says, you know, where's your faith? And he goes back to sleep. That's not what it says in the Bible, but I just imagine that's what happens, right? He's just like, where's your faith? And he just goes back to sleep. Why did you even bother me about this? So there's a story about the storm. And then the next story in the beginning of chapter 5 is when he gets to the, Gar- the Gerasenes and he meets this demon-possessed man who is so out of control that the people of that land try to shackle him down, they, they chain him down, they bound him, but he's just, he's just this crazy, he's just so strong and uncontainable that he would just, you know, get loose from these shackles and just go around and, you know, I'm, I'm guessing just terrorize everything and everyone. There's no control over him. And Jesus comes and he casts out this demon legion into a herd of pigs and the pigs run off a cliff. And instead of being standing in awe of Jesus and what he's just done, the people of the land ask Jesus to leave. And so Jesus leaves, and that's where we meet Jesus in today's passage. 
where he's running with the crowd and Jairus comes at the feet of Jesus and says, heal my daughter. I believe these stories are related because I believe that Mark is trying to point out the the same theme, the same message in all of these stories. And I believe that this theme comes out at the end of chapter 4 in verse 41, where Jesus has calmed the storms and the disciples look at each other and they look at him and they are filled with great fear and they say to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And that is the great burning question of which Mark is giving us the answer. Who is this? In the Greek, tis hutas estin. Quien es este? Y Who is this? Who is this Jesus that even the wind and the seas obey him? And I believe that that is a question that is being answered in today's passage as well. And that's the question that I pose to you this morning. Do you know who Jesus is? Who is this? Mark makes it definitively clear that Jesus is not just a wise man. He's not just a good man. He's not just a a healer of some sorts, where if you go to him and you just believe hard enough that he will heal you. But Mark is making it clear that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He can control nature. He can control the wind and the seas. He is God over the spirits. He is able to cast out the demon just by his word. He is also able to do what is impossible of man. He is God over the flesh, over disease. And at the end of this story in chapter 5, we see that not only is he the God over all these things, but he is the God over even death. And so we put our trust in Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus because we know who he is. That's why I ask you this question this morning. Do you know who Jesus is? I think oftentimes the circumstances in our lives, the things, the situations we are in, test this. Sometimes we forget who Jesus is, and so we fall into fear. We fall into fear of our future, fear of our circumstances, fear of people, fear of all these different things. And I think that Mark is trying to point out to us that the reason that we fear even though we have faith, even though we know Jesus, even though we come to worship him every week, the reason that we fall back into fear many times is because we forget who this is, who Jesus is. And so it is only when God brings this great understanding of who Jesus is, this great revelation about himself, that we are able to enter into a loving and trusting relationship with God. Throughout the Bible, And especially here, exemplified in Mark's accounts of the storm, the demon-possessed man, the bleeding woman, Jairus' daughter, fear and faith go hand in hand. They are major themes that go together. In each story, fear is overcome by faith. In each story, there is a miracle and a reaction. When When we fear, it is because we lack faith, just like the disciples. Just like those, those people who saw the demon-possessed man be healed, right, and the demon cast out. But when we have faith, we no longer have to fear. In other words, if we truly 
understand who Jesus is. If we can answer this question, tis hu tas estin, who is this Jesus? That he is our God, he is our Savior, he is our Messiah. Then we will never have to fear in our lives ever again. Well, that's not completely the case. Because as I just pointed out, we do live in fear still. As Christians, as ones who have faith, we still live in fear. And so, the fear is still there. Fear of circumstances, fear of death, fear of disease. The fear is still there. The fear hasn't gone away anywhere. The difference for those who put their trust and faith in Jesus is that we no longer have to be bound by that fear. We no longer have to be enslaved to that fear. Because we now have a faith that can overcome that fear. A faith that gives us hope. A faith in Jesus Christ. So then where does this faith come from? Does it come from a higher knowledge of you know, knowing some things? Does it come from just really, really believing and having a desire in my heart? I just, you know, if I just you know, clench my fist and, and wrinkle my eyes hard enough, is that where faith comes from? Well, it could. We see in the examples of the stories that Mark gives us that faith may come from a knowledge. Jairus comes to Jesus because he hears about Jesus. The bleeding woman comes to Jesus because she, he, she hears about Jesus and knows Jesus. It could come from knowledge. But then at the end of Mark 4, we see that the disciples who have just asked this question, who, this, who is this? Previous in chapter 4, Jesus explains the kingdom of heaven. He, he talks in all these parables and, and the disciples are like, oh, what are you talking about, Jesus? And so he explains everything to them. The secret of the kingdom of heaven. And just right after they have all of this knowledge, they see Jesus do this miracle and they ask, who is this? Who is this Jesus? Does faith come from seeing miracles? from seeing the hand of God move and work among us? It could. It could. But we also see the herdsmen who see the demon-possessed man being healed by Jesus. And instead of it bringing them to faith, they are actually drawn away from Jesus. They actually ask Jesus to leave them. And so for some of us who say, well, if I saw those miracles, I would believe in Jesus. Well, that may not be the case. Well, if I lived with Jesus like the disciples, if I ate with him, if I, you know, just, you know, did those three years like this, how did they not know who he was? Well, that answers the question of where does faith come from? It doesn't come from us. It comes from God. It must come from God. The basis of faith that can overcome fear is not the belief that comes from some innate thing that comes out of us. It comes from God. Why do some people believe and some do not in the same circumstance, in the same situation? It is because we are reminded that the prerequisite of faith is not something that's in us, but it is God himself. Only God can give us this saving faith because only God is able to regenerate our souls. Only he is able to transform our hearts. And so then, in regards to this woman's healing, 
This is the dilemma in verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. It sure seems like Jesus is saying, your faith, your belief, what you did has healed you. So go in peace. This is the great dilemma that we meet here. We understand that in Ephesians, Paul says this distinctly in verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. All right. So salvation, faith is a gift of God. It's only by grace. There's nothing that we have done to receive it or deserve it. But yet, it seems like Jesus here is saying, your faith, your belief, what you have done has made you well. Now, is there anyone in here that wants to answer how this all works out here? It's just seemingly contradicting, you know, these, what's, okay. So let's go into the original language. We see that Jesus tells this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years that she is his daughter. This kind of language that Jesus uses is not just for someone who he doesn't know, who he's just like, oh, you're my daughter. We know that in the New Testament that after our hearts have been regenerated, we become the children of God. We are the sons and the daughters of God. And so Jesus here is not addressing this bleeding woman, this healed woman, as a non-believer. She is already a believer. She is his daughter. If we go into this furthermore, James Edwards Jr., he comments, the Greek word for healed is sezokin, the root word being sozo, and it can mean either heal or save, depending on context. The root word used here for heal is actually sozo, which is a root word for salvation. It's a root word that says deliver out of danger and into safety, used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin and into his provisions. It's the same root word where we get soteria, salvation. So what is Jesus trying to say to this woman? He's not saying your faith has saved you because you did something. Because even the word faith, pistis, is a noun. It's not a verb. There's a pistawio that's a, a verb that we're going to look at a little bit later. Pistawio means faith, an action, a belief. But he doesn't use that word with this woman. He uses the noun faith, pistis. He says, this faith, pistis, has saved you. And so go in peace and be healed of your disease. So then not only has this woman be he- has been healed of her disease and physical affliction, but more than that, it is a faith that she was given by God that rescued and delivered her from eternal condemnation. And so surely the peace that Jesus sends her with is a peace that comes with salvation. For Jesus, our spiritual healing is always a priority over the different circumstances and the different 
needs in our lives. But I think oftentimes we forget. Tis who tas estin. Who is this? We forget because we're focusing too much on the circumstance. We're focusing too much on the need. And Jesus says, I need you to focus on the faith that I've given you first. The faith that has given you salvation. The faith that says we have been forgiven for all of our sins for the rest of eternity. And we can now spend that eternity with our God. It is this great gift of faith that also allows the woman to overcome her fear and her trembling. This woman comes before a Jesus who is all-knowing and, you know, he is God. He is a Savior. He is a Messiah. And it says that she comes before him, bows before him in fear and trembling. And it is this salvation through faith that she is able to overcome that fear. So we come to the story of Jairus and his daughter. She's about to die, and on the way to his house, the daughter dies. And so he gets a report from you know, his servants, and the messenger says, well, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher any longer? But Jesus has a plan. He knew that she would die. See, the thing, when we read the scriptures, we, we can't assume that Jesus never knows what's happening. He knew that the bleeding woman would come to him. He knew that even before Jairus came to him, pleading for his daughter, that the daughter would die. But this is all for his glory, to show his sovereignty, not only in life, but even in death. And so, we see that Jesus in verse 36, compels Jairus to do something. He says, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Now here is the verb of pistis, the verb to believe, to put this faith into action. Now this is not a saving faith. Our, our, our active faith doesn't save us. Our active faith comes from a faith that we have already received as a gift. And now we are actively pursuing that faith. See, Jairus came before the feet of Jesus and he had faith that Jesus could heal his daughter. And Jesus is saying here in verse 36, continue to believe. It, it, he's not saying, well, now have faith that I can do what, what, what you think I can. He's saying, continue to believe. I'm sorry. Continue to believe that I can do this. Now, saving faith is a faith that we receive from God. It's a, it's a faith that saves us, that can only come through Jesus Christ. This living faith is a faith that comes out of that faith. And this answers the question, if God just saves us, if he just does everything, why should we do anything? Well, it's still on us to actively believe in God's promises, to believe in his covenant, to wake up every morning. I don't know about you. I don't know if every morning you just wake up and you're like, oh, I'm just perfect. My life is perfect and I have perfect faith and so I don't need to be sanctified anymore and I'm just waiting to be in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's not what happens to me every morning, every afternoon, every evening. I have to remind myself of the gospel. I have to remind myself of Jesus Christ and the faith that he has given me. And that is an active faith. And Jesus here is saying to Jairus, continue to have that faith. Continue to believe. 
Edwards points out the present tense of the Greek imperative means to keep believing, to hold on to faith rather than give into despair. And that's what happens. That's, that's the point that we meet in times of, of despair, when we are fearful in our situations and circumstances that don't go our way. This is what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, do not fear, keep on believing. Keep on believing. Jesus urges Jairus to continue believing, to continue to hold on to the faith that he has been given. And this is the faith that gives us hope every day. I'm sure you will agree with me that any other faith or hope in any other thing is fleeting, is fickle, it will disappear. But only in Jesus Christ, as we sang, the solid rock, can we have true hope and trust in our Savior rather than the things of this world. And so Jesus urges us through the Spirit today, as he did with Jairus, not to live in fear, but to live in faith, to believe, to continue believing that Jesus is who he says he is, to believe that he is God, that he is sovereign, that he is good, and that he loves us. Why? Because for those who have faith, for those who know who Jesus is, that is the desire to live for Jesus and not in faith. And so, tis hutas estin. Quién es este? Dugunga. Who is this? R. Allen Cole explains of the bleeding woman. She suffered from a disease which, to Judaism, made her ceremonially unclean, like, a, like leprosy, and which, again like leprosy, barred her from access to God in his temple and from fellowship with God's congregation and worship. R.T. France interprets the original language as describing Jesus' power being transferred from himself to the bleeding woman in a way not paralleled in other gospel healing narratives. His power was transferred to this woman, and she was made clean, and she also in turn transferred her uncleanliness to him. When Jesus healed this woman, she wasn't just restored physically, but she was restored Mentally, she was restored emotionally, she was restored spiritually, and she was restored socially. She would now be able to worship God in the temple and fellowship with other believers because she was now clean. When Jairus' daughter died, it did not inhibit Jesus' work, it only made it that much more awesome. Jesus used these healings to bless people, but ultimately it was for his glory. And for us today, we ask, who is this? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who took our place. He shed his blood so that we would be healed of our sins. Who is this? He is the one who took our uncleanliness and exchanged his cleanliness and died on the cross so that we could be free and unbarred to worship God, to enter his throne, and to have fellowship with him. Who is this Jesus? Like Jairus' daughter, he is the one that while we were dead in our sins, 
raised us back to life through his own death and resurrection and gave us his own spirit, all for his kingdom and glory. It is because he has transferred his righteousness through faith that we are now able to have free access to the Lord and to his table. And he calls us no longer to live in fear, but to share in this peace that comes from having faith in our sovereign Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this access that you have given us. And as we approach your table now, we pray, Lord, that it would not be out of fear and trembling. We do fear you. We are in awe of you. But we pray, Lord, that we would approach now because we know who you are. You are our Savior, our Lord. You are our God. And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.